0: Hey everybody, it's Jesse Pornock, the Director of Marketing here at 7 Figure Flipping. This week's podcast is Mrs. Val Brega. It's about inbound leads and hiring lead intake reps. It was one of my favorite presentations from Flip Hacking Live and I took notes the whole time. You're gonna love it. She's set thousands of appointments and hired hundreds of reps. And that accent you hear, it's from Moldova. If you don't know where Moldova is, it's snugged up between Romania, in the Ukraine, right in between them. So now you have a little bit of information about Moldova. This year's Flip Hacking Live, you're about to miss it. Go to fliphackinglive.com, get your tickets October 13th to the 15th. Who's speaking? Pace Morby, Krista Mayshore, Jerry Norton are all joining Bill Allen on stage. There's gonna be more than that, I just don't feel like listing speakers at you for the next five minutes get your tickets. All right. That's enough for me. Here's the podcast.
1: My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called seven figure flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet, but we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are 7-Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Does anybody want to hear from somebody who set thousands of appointments for my company in the past? Okay, does anybody want to hear from someone who has hired and managed a team of lead intake reps for my company in the past? Okay, I think we're ready. Um, So you guys probably, somebody came to my roundtable last night, I don't know who it was. I was like, I'm looking for Val. Can you, do, do you know where she is? And I was like, uh, yeah, she, she's like over there. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> That's kind of funny. So, um, all right, give her a big round of applause. Please get on your feet and a loud welcome. She's going to give you the good. She's holding nothing back. Val Brega.
0: All right, is my presentation up? Not yet, here it is. It's so awesome to be here, seeing all these people. I feel like home on this stage, and I love seeing all of you. And I root for your success, and I want to give you everything that I have, everything that I know, everything that I learned, right? So I thought about, what am I, I gonna talk about today? I talked about sales strategies, I talked about so, much, so many things. And I don't know, do you have the same thing? Like, if you know something, you feel like everyone knows it? You know, it's like, what else can I teach you? You're entrepreneurs, you're successful. What else can I teach you? And then, let me ask you this. Who has their lead intake team here? Anybody? Yeah, awesome, okay. If you don't have it, make sure to go home, show them this presentation, because I wish I knew this information when I started three years ago. That would have saved me a lot of bruises, right? A lot of uh, trials and errors. A lot of things would have been so, so much better. So today, I want to talk about the art of being genuine in sales. I want to talk about how to screen seller leads and how to get them to say yes. Who wants to know how, how to get the seller to say yes? Yeah? Yeah, let's get it started. Awesome. OK, but before we do that, I want to show you a uh, picture of my family right here. This is my husband, my daughter. And I know you guys know my story, but if you don't, uh, just really briefly, right? We came to the United States in 2018, and we only had $400 in our pocket. I know, typical, typical scenario, right? We were so stressed out. We had no idea where we were going to stay. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a a daycare. Our daughter was one year old at the time, right? I didn't have a job. From the apartment complex where we lived, a walking distance was a Walmart. And I said, Hey, we don't have a car. I can walk to Walmart. I'll work there. Inside the Walmart, there was a subway. I can work at Subway. Across the street, there's a Target. Inside the Target, there's a Starbucks. There are four possible places where I can work, right? We're going to be okay. I looked at my husband and I said, You know, we got to make it work. No matter what, like, let's, let's grind. Let's make it work, but we need to make it here, right? Otherwise, we go back to Moldova. And if you don't know, Moldova is the poorest country in Europe, in Eastern Europe. So it's like we we definitely wanted something better for for our daughter, for our family. And so, about a month since we were here in the States, um, I applied to this real estate job. And my goal was to apply to three jobs every single day. And I kept this tab open for real estate for probably a week I was too afraid to apply to this job because I don't have experience in real estate I know nothing about real estate when I started out I heard the word ballpark I thought it was a park where people play ball I was like what does that have to do with real estate sheetrock HVAC forget it I knew nothing about it right wholesaling what the hell is wholesaling you know so (laughs) all that information so I was like I'm not applying to this job but uh, I, it's like I, I'm just gonna I mean the worst thing that can happen is say no they can say no right so when I applied to this job I was selected and I was so grateful to have this opportunity I was holding on with both these both my hands I was holding on to this job because like there was no tomorrow and literally there was no financial tomorrow if it didn't have a job right so I figured out since I was the only one working I needed to make 50 hours a week just to pay rent Food and diapers for our daughter. If at the end of the month, we still have a roof above our head, if we are not hungry, and if our daughter has diapers, that would have been success. Forget about putting money aside and buying a car. That would have, been, would have had to come from bonuses. You can imagine how hungry I was, right? how determined I was. It's like, I'm going to get those bonuses. I'm gonna, we're going to be OK. I looked at my husband, we're going to be OK. Before my husband applied for a job, before he found something, I'm going to get those bonuses. So, as I was preparing for this presentation, I got myself back in that time spot. I was like, what would you like to know? So, um, about a month since I started this job, the other two people in the department were being let go. My manager at the time, he told me, because they were let go because my numbers alone are much higher than their numbers combined. I didn't care about the numbers, right? I was holding on to this job, like I didn't look at KPIs, I, was like, I just knew I had to make appointments, I knew I had to get those bonuses. So on the one hand, I was really happy that, you know, I had uh, my work, my work is being rewarded. But at the same time, I'm alone in this department. I, di- I didn't know what ballpark was, right? I was still in training. What, this is a huge risk the company took. I still think it's a huge risk the company took on me. And, um, Looking back now, I think this was probably one of the best things that happened to my career because I was being put in that hot water, right? And I had to learn how to swim. I had to learn how to do something. Uh, Otherwise, I would lose this job. And um, I remember I made a lot of mistakes. I lost a couple of deals, but I learned. I was alone with thousands of leads, right? Thousands of leads. Um, and we had a script. It didn't work. I got a lot of pushback. A lot of people hung up on me. It's like something's not working. It's not. It's just not working. It needs to be tweaked. So throughout all my bruises, all these experiences, all of that, um, I'm, I'm talking now back to your leading p- people. I'm talking to myself three years ago. I'm talking to you as a business owner. You might not be aware of some of the things that your, company, that your employees are making that could cost you a lot of deals. So today I want to talk about this. My goal is I want to show you the secret to screening leads based on their situation. Don't use the same script everywhere, right? we'll talk about this a little bit. How to make it personal, how to make it, how do you get them to say yes? right? We're going to talk about mistakes you don't want your team to make. You'd be surprised how many mistakes, you may not even think they are mistakes, but they are. And we're going to talk about what I made and what cost us deals and what I learned from it and what, you know, I never made the same mistake again. And I want to take how to take your prospects from who are you, you're just another wholesaler, to I'm so glad I'm talking to you, right? And at the end, I wanna show you a bonus. How many people heard my podcast with Bill before FHL? Okay, a couple of people. And in that podcast, I mentioned that only at Flip Hacking Live will I talk about how to potentially double your leads. Only here. This is something that I tried, I tested, I tried many, many things, it didn't work. I tried this one little thing, And i was surprised by the results so i'm going to share this with you are you excited about this that's awesome yeah all right yeah let's awesome let's get it started so let's talk about the first thing that i learned in my experience don't pitch have a conversation look all of them will be super simple but they're going to make a difference i when i started out the script that we had didn't work it just didn't work and then I was like, OK, well, people react like this when I ask this question. That's how people react to this you know, when, when I ask a question a certain way. So I created a script that works for me. But even so, I don't use it 100%. Focus on the conversation. Don't focus so much on the script. But if you do have a script, I'll show you how to use it right. right? So I like scripts. I use it. I don't love them. But I like them. You know? They have pros and cons. The pros, of course, scripts guide you. Um, it fights the fear you know it helps you get back on track uh, you control the message you are consistent uh, you have confidence in the message I mean if you say the same thing 10 times a day 20 30 times a day eventually you get confidence right the cons of that is that yeah you might sound robotic but it removes thinking that was a huge one for me it removes thinking it inhibits creativity and in this job how do you build rapport if you don't think if you don't be if you're not creative Right? Uh, the reps over-rely on scripts. And there's a lack of flexibility. Right? So this is what it typically looks like. That's what I have. And see here, this is the basic conversation flow. And the word basic is very crucial. That's not my Bible, but, but it is a basic one. So let me walk you through a, a typical sales call. Right? So introduction. The phone rings. Ring, ring. I pick it up and I say, "Hey, thank you for calling Blackjack Real Estate. This is Val. How can I help you?" Right? And then I get lead information. Okay, can I get the name of the can I get your name and what's the address of the property you're thinking about selling? What's your email address? Right? Get some information. And then we go into advanced agreement. How many of you use advanced agreement? How many of you Okay, how many of you don't use advanced agreement? You don't know what that is. Okay, a couple of people. This is a huge difference. You gotta tell the seller in advance what, how the conversation is gonna go. Right? So I tell the seller something like, oh, let me tell you a little bit about us. So, you know, we do buy houses in the area. We would love to make you a cash offer. And we have a super simple process simple as one, two, three. One, I need to get some information from you. Then I'll connect you with the right person in our company to make you an offer. And then if you like the offer, we close on a date that works for you. See how simple that is? by the way we don't have any commissions we don't have any fees uh, we'll make it very easy hassle free how does that sound sounds good right so people i mean who's going to say no it doesn't sound good who's going to say no that doesn't sound fair right so <clears throat> uh, this is what uh, this is how it goes and from here once i get their agreement i ask one question i say so tell me a little bit about the property is it vacant is it occupied by tenants what was the situation with it And depending on what they tell me, you see here, it kind of splits into three. If it's vacant, I'm going to ask one set of questions. If it's occupied by tenants, I'll ask a completely different set of questions. If it's occupied by the owner, I'm going to take the script in a completely different direction. And this is the mistake I made, because I had one script applies to all, right? And it's not. It's just you get different different results. So let me give you an example. Let's say if the house is vacant, uh, I want to have a natural conversation. I say, OK, great, so how long has the house been vacant for? Okay, so they might say five years or a couple of years, or they might say something like a couple of months. In any of these cases, I'm just gonna put a label. I'm gonna make an assumption. I have no idea if this is right or wrong, but I'm gonna make an assumption about the house. So let's say the house has been vacant for a couple of years. I say, okay, so um, I guess it probably needs some work. Am I right? I mean, it sounds like it might need some TLC. And they might say, I have no idea. They might say something like, yeah, you're right. Great. Then I take it in the next next question, next natural question. Okay, so what do you think it needs, right? That's how I ask about the condition. If they say something like, "Yeah, the house has been vacant, but um, it's in pretty good shape. It doesn't need anything. We've kept it uh, very well," you know, and then I ask, "Okay, so." I want to get the i want to understand the pain i want to understand the motivation and i would say something like okay so how how come it's been vacant for so long i mean it's probably costing you money just sitting there you never thought about maybe renting it to someone is that not one one of the options you're looking at right i want them to tell me what the situation is so here's the mistake that a lot of leading take people make is they follow the script Okay, how many bedrooms and bathrooms does the house have? What's the square footage? Now, don't get me wrong, this is all important information. You can find that on Zillow, too. But when you find a a side of pain, something of motivation, dig dig in that direction, right? Dig deeper, go there, forget about pain. I mean, forget about number of bedrooms and bathrooms. Once you understand that, try to find out what's wrong with the house. If it has tenants, If the house is ten the motivation might be in the tenants why are they selling a rental property right i get to that information before i even ask about number of bedrooms and bathrooms but it has to be natural it has to flow so if, if it has tenants, I will ask them, like, okay, great. You know what? We love a property with tenants. We can actually buy that property and we can honor the lease if they pay on time, if they take good care of the house. If not, that's perfectly fine. We will uh, take care of everything the house needs and we'll put our own tenants in it. So tell me, um, if we were to keep your tenants, what can we expect from them? What, what are they like? Are they taking good care of your house? And they will tell me, sometimes they say, oh yeah, they're perfect tenants. Uh, they, they don't need anything. In my mind, I'm like, okay, so that's not the motivation. I need to know what the motivation is. Why are they selling if they have perfect tenant? You know, Why are they selling the house? But a lot of times they say, oh, you definitely want to put in other tenants. These people destroy the property. And I'm like, I'm sorry, tenants destroyed property? You know this is mirroring right one of the techniques we'll talk about this too but it's like you want to use the words that they say and build a conversation around that forget the script build a conversation and why do we do this because well it's conversations make conversions I can give you ten versions of the same script and one version is gonna work well for some people another version is gonna work well for you know for other people The magic sauce, the magic ingredient is not the script. A lot of people say, I just need to have a better script. It's not the script. It's the conversation. It's being human. It's being genuine. It's understanding the situation. It's actively listening. And by the way, if you want to have a copy of my script, it is in the resources. It should be there, along with all the objections and how to handle those. right? So you do have access to it. But I want you to pay attention to the conversations. Okay? So that was number one that I learned. The second one was the power of what else. This was huge, okay? I'm not sure a lot of people ask that. I I mean, I I analyzed so many calls from my company, from other companies, and I don't hear that. It's just a lot of people rush through this, you know, and I'm probably the most impatient person in the world. I really am, and I move fast and all that, and I talk fast, but when it comes to sales, you gotta take a step back and ask, what else? So if the house needs a lot of work, let's say the house, so first of all, we start with something positive, right? So um, what kind of updates have you done to the house? Don't, never ask, so what does the house need, right? Assume the positive, assume the good things. So what updates have you done recently? Okay, what else have you done? What else? Okay, oh, it seems like you've done a lot. Does the house need anything at this point in terms of updates? Okay, what else do you think it needs? Okay, if you, if you had more money, what else would you do to this house? If you wanted to put a new tenant, what what do you think? What issues do you think your tenant might not be um, happy with? What else do you think they might expect to see in the house? Right. So this is huge. The what else? Because a lot of times people will tell you what the what repairs the house needs, and then you move on to the next question. But if you ask what else, they will stop. Think about it. Say, "Oh yeah, yeah. We also need to change the roof. It's it's not leaking, but it's old." And you know, so you will get a lot more information about the condition of the house and about the situation if you ask. What else? The next thing, and this is huge. Don't solve the pain too quickly that huge huge game changer for me I'm the type of person who wants to solve problems I like solving problems if someone comes up to me and asks me something I want to give them an answer I want to make sure that I can solve that problem Now, when it comes to sales don't solve the problems too quickly let them talk let them tell you think of yourself as, as a doctor right you want to understand what the pain is you want to understand the root cause so you can serve better from Andy's presentation yesterday, right? Like, it's all about serving them. You don't know how to serve them if you don't understand their situation, right? They're not, I mean, don't treat the symptoms. Treat the cause. What is it that that they need help with? Sellers won't make a decision until the pain hurts to a point that it needs to be alleviated. And this is something that I learned from my experience. If you expect them to just, if you think that it's the money that's the only, that's the solution to their problems, you'd be wrong. It's not always the money it's not so we had a situation we had a seller who uh she had a lot of pain she had a lot of motivation we s- i said the appointment um you know we went over there to see the house get the contract signed and she changed her mind she said i'm not ready to sell the house just yet So, the acquisition person comes to me and says, Hey, the seller, just put her back on my calendar. Just follow up with her. She's not ready. I'm like, Wow, I was so sure that she was going to sell to us because there was a lot of pain, a lot of motivation. I understood her situation very well. So, I call her back. Her name is Dorothy. And I said, Hey, Dorothy, so, um, you know, last time we spoke, um, I know you wanted to sell the house. Has anything changed? She's like, No, I'm not. I still want to sell the house, just not right now. But we made you a very good offer that's exactly what you asked for Uh, i mean what what's different from last week so you know through asking a lot of questions i i got to the point where i understood that the reason she's not selling now is because there was a legal issue she needed to have some some money for the attorney before she can sell the house she didn't tell us before initially right and she said i'm just going to hold on for a while i need the cash but i'm going to hold on for a while because i need to save up some money Take care of this legal issue and then I can sell it to you. And I'm like, hold on, Dorothy. Okay, thank you. I got it. (laughs) I went back to my team and I said, hey guys, this is the situation. Can we do something about it? So the problem is not the money. If we threw more money at her, that wouldn't have solved the problem. The answer would have still been no. Because money is not the only thing that motivates these people right so i talked to my teams like can we do something about this attorney fees can we work it out in a contract can we work out a deal can we do something about it you know so this is what saved the deal because you have to understand the pain you have to understand the motivation and don't solve it too quickly right probably my mistake was that if i dug deeper maybe she would have told me about these attorney fees in the first conversation you wouldn't have Had to get to the second one, but you know, in the end, everything turned out to be fine. But that is the point: don't solve the pain too quickly. Take your time to understand, really understand the situation. And this is the strategies we use to uncover the situation, uh, to uncover the motivation. Right? We use mirroring, we use labeling, we use going negative, we use Socratic questions. If you read the book, never split the difference. You know what i'm talking about if you haven't read the book what are you waiting for this is a fantastic book everyone in lead intake everyone in sales should read this book it's it's amazing right all these strategies so just real quick mirroring for example you know how i said earlier uh, i'm sorry tenants destroyed property what right you act confused you repeat the same words uh, the last couple of words um but it has to be genuine i mean what do you mean tenants destroyed property and they will give you more details about that situation Labeling, that's what I use usually if the house is vacant. Oh, so the house has been vacant for a couple of years. It sounds like it might need some work. Um, Am I right? It seems like it needs some TLC. And they will either correct, I mean, they will either tell me, yes, you're absolutely right, or they will say no, actually, and give me the real reason. Right? So I'm just assuming something. Going negative, going negative is asking questions against your desired outcome. I don't want people to list the property. I want them to sell it to us. I don't want people to rent it to someone. I want us to buy the house, but I'm still going to ask them, like, hey, um, have you thought about renting the house? Is that one of the options you're looking at? I want to hear the why not. I want them to convince me why not. Why don't they want to list the property? Maybe they had a bad experience. Maybe they just want something simple. Maybe they don't want to have showings. You know, why don't they rent the property to someone else? Maybe having tenants is a gamble. Maybe they're getting older. Maybe they're relocating right but I'm still gonna ask them so that accomplishes two things I show them I don't seem desperate right like hey no no don't rent it the house just sell it to us right I don't seem desperate I give them a couple of options I build trust with them because they know like hey look at all these options I have and out of all these options I'm gonna sell it for cash to you right so so this is a this is a, a great thing right so but here's the here's the thing this is, if you listen to the podcast, you know we lost a deal for Blackjack Real Estate. That was my first month. That was the month when I was alone in the department. That's why I started with this story, and we lost a deal, a big one. There was this guy, Eric, in Nashville. He had a ton of motivation. He just got divorced. He was done with the house, with the wife, just everything. Like, he wanted to start a new life. He was bleeding. Like, he was in pain. He had motivation. What did I do? I love the strategies. I love them. I felt like if I don't use the strategies in a call, I'm not doing my job right. So I went negative, and I said, hey, but the house is in Nashville, it's such a good area, why don't you keep the house? It's gonna appreciate in value in a few years. Who the hell says that? (laughs) Who says that? You know? I look back and I'm like, what were you thinking? And you know what he told me? He said, yeah, yeah, you're right, I'm just gonna keep it, goodbye. And then I found out he sold it to a competitor. Yeah, it was a painful, painful lesson. Very painful lesson. But we never did that, we never made that mistake again. And the lesson that I learned is this When you see pain, when you see motivation, forget about the strategies. You don't need them, you don't need mirroring, labeling, you don't have to sound fancy. Just set the appointment right away. Speed to seller is everything. The only reason when you do use the strategies is when you're not clear about the motivation, when you're not clear about the pain. You want to make them, right, uh, you want to understand the pain. You want, you want them to want to alleviate that pain. If they're already bleeding like this guy Eric, that was my mistake. I should have been like, Eric, you know what? We're going to go out there today, be at home in one hour. We're going to be there, and we're going to make you an offer on your house. This, what was it? three seconds that I just said this phrase, this would have saved the deal. Don't go negative. Don't ask mirroring. Don't, don't care about the asking price. I don't care about the asking price. There's motivation. Set the appointment. And so to show that I learned from this mistake, we had probably one of the best deals we had. Um, if you know Chad King, he was the acquisitions manager. We still talk about that deal. It's like, hey, do you remember that deal in Laverne? So yeah. So we had this woman who called in, and she had a lot of pain. She just lost a family member. She couldn't go back to that apartment. She couldn't just, you know, she couldn't move anything. She, she didn't have to, she didn't want to clean the house. She just didn't want to be there. She was ready to move on, but she couldn't force herself to go into that house. She was in pain. She had a lot of motivation. I didn't even ask about the price, how much are you looking for it? I didn't care. That was motivation. I called Chad King and I said, I don't care what you're doing. It was after hours, it was 6 p.m. I was like, I don't care what you're doing, at least call her. But I mean, eventually, I mean, go if you can, but give her a call now. So he said, yeah, I'm I'm going. So he canceled all his dinner plans, everything. He went to the seller's house. And I'm waiting by the phone. I'm waiting. Okay, he's not calling. He's not calling. It's 7 p.m. It's 8 p.m. He's not calling. At 9 p.m. he calls me. He's like, Val, we got it. And it's a 60,000 assignment fee. So that's what it was. You know, it was a great deal. And she's like, good call on getting that appointment right away. And what what I did is I didn't care about the sales strategies. I didn't care about mirroring, labeling, or asking price. There was pain, set the appointment. Speed to seller is everything, right? So the fourth one is act as if the prospect is going to sell. I know you think it's easy, it's it's intuitive, but it's not. In fact, every person, every call that I listen to, every single one, they all say this. Sorry, but we don't pay market value. And I hate this phrase. I hate it. I hate it. And I'll tell you why. Because, and they sound especially. They say it especially in the advance agreement. Like, so let me tell you a little bit about our company. So you know, we we buy houses in the area. We pay cash for the houses. And because we're investors, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be at market value. But let me ask you some questions about the house. I mean, you know, that's kind of like you go into a store. You want to buy something and the shop assistant looks at you up and down and says I'm sorry but the prices are so high here I don't think you can afford it that's exactly what it sounds like right (laughs) I mean how does that make you feel if you go into a store and someone tells you I'm sorry but I mean I had a situation once like that in my home country you know it's like they looked at me up and I was like I'm sorry all our prices are in euros And I'm like, oh shit. You know, like, so. (laughs) It's like, I didn't buy anything and I wanted to. So it's the exact same thing. That's not what defines you as an investor. The fact that you don't pay market value, that's not what defines you as an investor. Why sound apologetic? Why mention it? What defines you as an investor is the fact that you have a super easy process. Right? You don't have any commissions. You don't have any fees. It's headache free. It's like the easiest transaction in their life. This is the advantage. This is what defines you as an investor, not the fact that you don't pay market value. So why focus on this? Why not focus on your advantages instead? So focus on advantages and tie advantages to pain points. Once you understand the, po- the point, oh, OK, so your, your, um, your seller, uh, so, OK, so tenants destroy property. You know we'll let them walk through this pain and they say something like you know what we actually helped a lot of people in your situation and we would love to uh, make you an offer on the house and see if we can be a great solution for you we have a very simple process we'll take care of the tenants for you you know we'll i know they destroy the property but we don't want you to worry about this we'll take care of that doesn't that sound much better than saying i'm sorry but we're not going to be at market value You know, I only use, we're not going to be at market value if the people are really not interested. And if they insist on an offer and they insist, it's like, but you send me the card, give me the offer. Uh, Okay. And they they are not responsive to my questions. That happens. So then to screen them, I'd be like, look, I just want to make sure I set the right expectations. You know, we can still make you an offer. But as an investor, we're not going to be at market value. Are you still interested in hearing the offer? Right? Only if they keep insisting and insisting but not if there's motivation. That's not what defines you as an investor. And I learned it the hard way, right? The fifth one, big one, be prepared for the unexpected. You know, I don't care about the script that much. I like it. I don't love it. But I do care a great deal about the objections. And in the resources, you do have a list with all the objections. Pretty much everything I heard in three years, it's there with the response right? And your team has to know the objections. If if somebody calls your team and they say, how do I know you're not a scam? What does your team say? Oh, we're definitely not a scam. (laughs) That's exactly what a scammer would say. (laughs) Who says, oh, damn it, you got me. Yeah, we are a scam. Who says that? Nobody says that, you know? (laughs) So how does your team handle that? You gotta have authority, you gotta know how to handle that. You have to know the objections. Right? So all salespeople encounter objections. It's how you handle them. You gotta learn how to address them. You have to control the conversation. And how do you control the conversation? You end the objection with a question. Right? So in this case, how do I know you're not a scam? It's like you know, I completely understand that you need to have peace of mind when it comes to selling a house. That's a huge decision. I, I'm with you. I get it. But you know what? We're, we're local people here. We know the area. We've been doing this for a couple of years. We had a lot of success. You know what? In fact, what's your email address? Let me send you a couple of links where you can read about us, where you can read about, see our website, where you can read our reviews. How does that sound? If you still have questions, let me know. I would be happy to assist you. What's your email address? Let me help you through this process. That sounds much, much better, right? You're in control. You're getting their email address. So you've got to be in control. You've got to be an authority. You are a person who's potentially going to solve their problem. They need to know they can trust you. You need to be firm on your two feet. Don't sound shaky. You know, they, they sense that. They feel that. <clears throat> so these are the five ones. Again, so you can see them here. Don't pitch. Have a conversation. Conversations make conversions, right? The power of what else? Big game changer for me. Don't solve pain too quickly. That was a hard lesson to learn Um, act as if a prospect is going to sell forget about we don't give market value focus on advantages what defines you as an investor why why should they go with you think about them be prepared for the unexpected and now the bonus who wants to know how to potentially double your leads yeah Yeah? let's do it okay awesome okay so this is a Oh, we're getting towards the end of the presentation. I'm running out of time. I can talk about this all day. All day. I love it. So okay. so how to potentially double your leads? This is what we did when we were at Blackjack. We want referrals, right? We want referrals. So every person I spoke with, I said, hey, you know what? If you know someone who wants to sell the house, we pay you a very good referral fee at closing. You probably tried that too, right? And you hear something like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'll keep you in mind. I never heard back from them, never. No one ever replied. We even sent personalized cards and everything, and that didn't work. And so, <clears throat> some time ago, I, I um, uh, started my own business where I hire, train virtual assistants, right? So, so many people apply, and only just, if I can work with maybe 10%. Most of them get rejected. It's a numbers game, it's kind of like wholesaling. You send out these cards to so many people, but at the end you have just a few leads that you can work with, right? So it's, it's, it's a numbers game. I need more qualified people, I need better people. So I did the same thing, like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna give you a referral fee if you know someone. Oh yeah, sure, sure, never heard back. Until we changed one little thing. And that thing is, I send an email like, hey, by the way, if you know someone, we're going to give you a referral fee. This is the person we're looking for. You know, these are the criteria the person needs to have. And one question that changed it all, it's here. So, like, for example, in case we hired this person, we'll give you $100. What is your PayPal? That's it. What's your PayPal? We send it to 460 people. In two hours, we had 50 responses, 50 new leads. In 24 hours, it was 260. In in a week, we had 439 new people. It was a Google form. But look, this question, what is your PayPal? It assumes the sale. It's like a handshake, right? I'm going to give you the money. Where do I give you the money? Where do I send the money? What's your PayPal? Let me give you money. Where do I send it to? And I checked this morning, we have 670 new people in our system. So in a couple of months, I'm going to send the same email, not to 460 people, but 460 plus these ones, plus the new ones. So I would be very curious to see if it works for you. Like, what's your Venmo? We're going to give you a referral fee. What is your Venmo? Where do we send the money? You know? To us, it made a huge, huge difference. You can try it or not. It's totally up to you, you know. Um, but where, I'm going to use this. I'm going to continue to use this. It worked for me. So, yeah, that uh, hopefully it, it does the same thing. So hopefully it works for you. And yeah, I know we're out of time, but this, this was like, you know, how to be the art of being genuine in sales. I hope your team will get a lot out of this. Make sure to show them this presentation when you get back. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. I'm an open book. I love talking about this. So yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure.